All right, guys, welcome back to the book of Exodus. Here we are talking about how people are going to, in Taylor's words, exit from one place to the next. And I love this. We're going to cover just, you ready for this? One chapter. One chapter, guys. Exodus 6. We got this. With the Lord's help, we got this. And so what I love about Moses, and Wearsby reiterates this, is as leaders, as servant leaders, one is, is that you have to spend time with the Lord in order to get to this point. You got to spend time with the Lord. You got to pour out your heart. Moses in Exodus 5, he pours out his heart. He's like, God, I've heard from you, but why are you doing this? It's okay to to actually talk this because you want to seek God's strength. You want to seek God's wisdom. So if you're just keeping it in and never talking to the Lord, you know what happens? You begin to shut down. So at least Moses is expressing his frustration. I have to tell you in this calling, whatever it is in your life, even as a stay-at-home mom, I promise you some of you are frustrated. Well, seek the Lord's wisdom. Seek his direction. He'll give it to you, but you got to ask him for it. So in Exodus 6, God says, I'm going to answer you, Moses. But the Lord replied to Moses, now you are going to see what I will do to Pharaoh. He's like, oh, good. I'm glad you asked, Moses. This is what we're going to do. He will let them go because of my strong hand. He will drive them out of his land because of my strong hand. Twice he says, oh, by the way, it's going to be my strong hand. Don't you kind of picture like him twisting Pharaoh's neck? Just like, I got it. Listen, over the course of time, you're going to just see the Lord is just like, I got this. And in fact, seven times, seven times in this God answering prayer to Moses, he says, I will. I love this. So Kevin, verse two, then God spoke to Moses, telling him, I am Yahweh. You know, it's likely that Moses heard the voice at this time audibly. You know, I, you think about this. I mean, it's not like they're, um, I don't know. It's not like I don't think he's just hearing it internally. Would you guys agree? Any thoughts? I think it's an audible voice. Yeah, I, I think it is too. I, I want to say this. You know, remember in Genesis, we're, we're basically transitioning from Abraham now to Moses. I know you've got Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he says this in Exodus 6.3, I've appeared to Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty but I did not reveal my name Yahweh to them. Isn't that cool? So I'm just going to draw up here just a simple, it's just for the sake of a visual here. You have Abraham in Genesis, and now all of a sudden, he's going to Moses. Okay, so here's what's going to happen. In, in this transition, okay, guys, of delivering the seed, Jesus being the deliverer of, of the seed, this is a cool image here. I believe what you're going to see is an outline, okay, of the Pentateuch. You're going to see the outline of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy in one chapter. It's pretty cool. So number one, what you're going to see is, is, that, is that God begins to establish his covenant. Okay, now watch. He says, okay, in verse four, I also established my covenant with them. Now go back to verse three. Who did he establish his covenant with? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay. Go to verse 4, if you would. With them to give them the land of Canaan, the land they lived as foreigners. Okay, so in, in Exodus 6, verse 4, you're going to hear this language of establishing the covenant. For the sake of time, just so you know, it's in Genesis 15, Genesis 17, Genesis 22. It's a cool picture of, uh, of what you see. In fact, Kevin, go to Exodus 6, verse 4 again. Exodus 6, verse 4. Now watch this. It says, they're going to live in land that, as foreigners. Okay? Just as a, a reiteration of, as followers of Christ, Paul says, we will be strangers. We will be aliens. Even the Israelites felt like that 
at the very, very beginning. So as a part of the delivering the seed, it's never going to feel natural. Kevin, if you would go to verse 5. Furthermore, I have heard, this is God talking to Moses in response to his complaining, in response to saying, God, I don't know about this. I've heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are forcing to work as slaves. And I have remembered my covenant. God has remembered all that he's established in the book of Genesis. I've remembered this. I've already established, I'm establishing my covenant. Okay, so now this is really cool. Okay, number two then, what you're going to see as an outline of all five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, what you're going to see is, Salehammer says is, oh, by the way, as I establish my covenant, okay, he's going to deliver his people. So once he establishes the covenant, so in Exodus 6, verse 6, watch this. Therefore, it says this, tell the Israelites, I am Yahweh. I will deliver you from the forced labor of the Egyptians and free you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and great acts of judgment. So what you're saying is, is I'm establishing his covenant and then I'm going to deliver my people. I'm delivering your people from the, I'm going to have them exit. That was for you, Taylor. I'm going to have them exit from one place to the next. I'm going to deliver you from this. So God is going to eventually deliver his people. That's what you see in the, in the five books of the Pentateuch. It's a pretty cool picture. Establish his covenant, deliver his people. Okay, now let's keep going here. Kevin, if you would, go to verse 7. Scripture says, I'll take you as my people, and I will be your God. You will know that I am Yahweh your God who delivered you, this is cool, from the forced labor of the Egyptians. So I will take you as my people. Sailhammer says another major component is, I'm going to adopt you uh, as his uh, nation. Exodus 6, verse 7. And again, you guys, do you not just see over and over, like this is the pattern that's starting to unfold for the new covenant. Does that make sense? So I'm establishing my new covenant with you. I'm going to deliver you, remember in in, uh, uh, Luke 4. Is that Luke 4? Why am I drawing a blank here? Yeah, Luke 4, he says, when he's quoting Isaiah 61, I'm just going to go there real quick. Uh, in Luke 4, where it says, yeah, the Spirit of, of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives. So like his whole point is, is that he wants to set people free. He wants to deliver people from captivity. He wants to set the, uh, free the oppressed. He wants to bring sight to the blind. And so this, this image of the deliverer is, it's really a, a foreshadow of what's to come. It's a cool image. And then in verse 3, I'm going to adopt Israel as, as my own nation. And what do we know? We know that in the new, new Covenant, again, I want you to understand, this here, he is talking about the Israelites. There's no questions. He's talking about the Israelites. He's talking about his people. But he's establishing this even in Exodus 6 to Moses because Moses was complaining, I don't know if I can do this. And he's like, no, you can't. I'm going to give you the big picture right here. And then obviously you guys know we've been adopted in. How cool is that? We've been adopted into Christ. And so again, I, please, I'm just trying to show a picture of, of, of the bigger mind, mindset of, of what this is pointing to. And then if you would, um, the fourth and final one in verse 8 of Exodus 6, verse 8. This is a really cool image. Uh, he says, oh, by the way, remember the seven I wills. I'm going to bring Israel, and this is what you see all the time, into promised land. 
So he says, I'm going to establish my covenant. I've established my covenant already with Abraham and Isaac. I'm going to deliver my people. I'm going to adopt Israel as my own. And I will, by the way, I'm going, to, I'm going to bring them into the promised land. This here, you guys, is the summary of the Pentateuch. Thus concludes the Old Testament teachings. <laughs> well, we'll start New Testament tomorrow. No, but he says, I'm going to bring you to the land that I swore to give it to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I'll give it to you as a possession. I am Yahweh. Look, I don't want to date this and talk about certain presidents and certain situations that are going on. So I just don't want to date everything when you're listening to this. I just want to let you know that land is super important in Israel. When you begin to give up land, you're going against the covenant that God established in the Pentateuch. And so that's why as believers in Yeshua, believers in the Messiah, in Jesus Christ, we want to support, okay, you ready for this? that Israel actually keeps the land, that Israel, actually Israel gets the land. Why? Because he says it's going to happen. It might be messy. It might be ugly. It might not be uh, pretty. There might be a lot of fighting. I'm just telling you that God said this is going to happen. So in verse 9, if you would, Kevin, Moses told this to the Israelites. Hey, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reiterate what I just heard from God. But they didn't listen to him because of their broken spirit and hard labor. Now, remember, the context that we are in right now, they have not been set free yet. So as they're working their tail off, as they're laboring, as they're trying to find straw, all of these different things, right? I don't want to listen to it. What do you mean you're going to give us land, Moses? You've already caused enough problems. Interesting enough, verse 10. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. It's kind of like, well... (laughs) Here we go again. And the Lord spoke to Moses, go and tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, let the Israels go from the land. But Moses said in the Lord's presence, if the Israelites won't listen to me, in other words, if my own people won't listen to me, then how will Pharaoh listen to me since I am such a poor speaker? In other words, hey, the Israelites didn't listen to me because I didn't talk well. And I'm pretty sure that those guys aren't going to listen to me either. I don't know. I love it when you pull out the classic weak cards or the victim cards, right? Mm. Problem is, is the Lord doesn't really care about this right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's kind of like, oh, I'll, I'll make sure they listen. And in fact, he says this, Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them commands concerning both the Israelites and Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. Have you guys ever worked with your kids before? And like they've complained one time and then you deal with the complaint. But then the second time they complain, it's just like, eh, whatever. I've already heard that one, Moses. That's exactly what God does. Am I right? It's like he doesn't give them any, any, any cushion to dialogue. He goes, fine, whatever. Oh, by the way, this is what I need you to do, Moses. I don't really care that you can't talk. I've already been over all this. And so that's what happens. In verse 13, thus concludes, <laughs> Moses, deal with it. Now, watch this. This is kind of crazy. We hit a pause button, okay, right here. Okay, so we've already outlined the Pentateuch based on chapter, uh, verse 4, 6, 7, and 8. Moses goes and tells his Israelites, the Israelites who are working their tail, they go, I don't want anything to do with this. And then Moses says, there's no way, I, there's no way this is going to work. I can't deliver this. And then all of a sudden we take this radical, and in verse 14, we have a genealogy, six generations of genealogy. And I want to read this because I think this is really cool. These are the heads of their father's families, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, Hanak and Palu, Hezra and Carmi. These are the clans of Reuben. Now, you guys just been a while, right? Since we've got into any PG-13 stuff, right? And so here we go again, right? So first of all, Reuben, uh, let's test our Jeff Hart friend here. Uh, Do you remember who his mother is? Who's Reuben's mom? 
Uh, first one, remember? Is it Leah? Leah, it was. Okay, good job. Man, that was almost Taylor-esque right there. All right, so Reuben, though, but what was Reuben's problem? Do you remember what he did? Remember, he had sex with his uh, father's maidservant, Billa, right? So just out of nowhere, Genesis 35, 22. So Reuben isn't like the great guy, right? But that's the lineage that we're talking about. So Simeon here, do you guys remember what he did in Genesis 34? Remember his sister? He killed all that. Yeah, he killed Shechem, right? And so Reuben and Simeon, they still have some serious issues, okay? So let's read this one. Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jachin, Zohar, Shaul, the son of a Canaanite woman. These are the clans of Simeon. Now let's go to verse 16. These are the names of the sons of Levi. So now we have another son, okay, Levi, according to their gene- genealogy. Now, Levi, okay, we're going to get into this. According to their genealogy, Gershon, Kohath, and Merai, Merai, <laughs> Levi lived 137 years. Now, Levi was a part of what Simeon did, remember, in Shechem, and these two guys ended up killing all of the Shechemites. Remember that? They had him circumcised. They killed, they cleaned house. But now Kohath, I'm going to, I know this is like, well, this is a lot here. Okay. So he had, Levi had three sons, right? And it said Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I know I'm not, but okay. Kohath over here. Okay. We'll get to, we're going to come back to Kohath. Okay. Then what we have is the sons of Gershom and it lists the sons of Gershom. Then in verse 18, it says the sons of Kohath. Amram, Ezar, Hebron, and Uziel. Kohath lived 133 years. Now, Amram is who? Abraham's father. Moses' father. I know what you meant. Right, what you were, what you were thinking just came out differently. Okay, so here you have, through Levi, he has a son, Kohath. He has three different sons. But then Kohath has multiple sons as well. It says he has four sons. One of them is Amram which Amram is what we know. Just so you know, in verse 19, it says the sons of Mariah. Mariah. <laughs> I don't know. These are the like sons. Marari, like Ferrari. Yeah, oh, thank you. Marari is the sons of Ferrari. Okay, that was good. Sons of Ferrari. Verse 20, whatever. I'm getting there somewhere. Okay, so Levi goes to Kohath. Kohath goes to Amram. Amram married his father's sister's Jacobed. Taylor, when you read that sentence, what's your first thought? Slept with his aunt. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Amram slept with his aunt. Kohath, that's his father. His sister is Jochebed. So Amram then and Jochebed, so I'm going to write this here, okay, become parents to, and it says that they bore then Aaron and Moses. And so what I love about this whole, this whole list of people's names is that the people of importance and the people that nobody knows, they're all listed. It's kind of a cool, but it's very specific. And so in verse 14, you're going to get to, you know, the sons of Reuben. In verse 15, you're going to get to the sons of Simeon. And then in verse 16, you get to the sons of Levi. Now, right now, these are the sons of Jeff. Do you remember? Leah. Leah. <laughs> Leah is the mom, right? Kevin, I know it bothers you. Judah got left out. We're going to get to Judah here at the little bit, but the very beginning of Reuben, Simeon, and Levi. And then Levi has three sons, Gershon, Kohath, and uh, I think Jeff helped me practice this, Merari, like Ferrari. Okay, so you have Gershon, Kohath, and Merari, these three sons. So I want to do this just so you can kind of see. So, and this is important to understand 
where the deliverer came from. Okay, Moses, in the context of the deliverer being Moses, okay, Moses comes from a Levite family, okay? So Levi has three sons. Now, in verse 17, they list the sons of Gershon, okay? In verse 18, the sons of Kohath, okay? And then it says in verse 19, Merari. But in verse 18, this is important, Kohath has three sons, four sons. And one of those sons is Amram. Kevin, do you remember who he's the father of? Moses. Moses. How do we know? Because in verse 20, watch this. Amram, okay, he's one of the four sons of Kohath, okay? Uh, and really, I should do that. I should put here, just so you see, Kohath. Levi to Kohath to Amram. And then it says, Amram marries his father's sister, Jochebed. Um, Taylor, in practical terms, who is Jochebed? His aunt. So it's kind of weird. Amram has relations with his aunt. Jochebed. And then she bore two sons. So Amram and I'm going to put Jochebed's name here. Amram and Jochebed, they have two sons, Aaron. And we now know, right, Taylor, Aaron is older. And then you have Moses. Now I will get to this. Does anybody know the name of their daughter? Miriam. Miriam. Good job, Kevin. She's actually really important. Uh, and how do how do we know? Kevin, can you go to Micah 6.4? I, I think this is cool because Micah 6.4 em, um, emphasizes like the validity of what the scriptures say. I brought you from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from that place of slavery. I'm delivering you from this. And I sent Moses, Aaron, and Miriam ahead of you. So Miriam is a major part of this. And here you have the three of them, this family members that are involved, that comes from Amram marrying uh, his aunt, Jochebed. It's a little weird. I totally get that. Now in this, okay, the sons of Isar, okay, are Korah, Nepheg, and can I just throw out something? The word Nepheg, do you guys know it means clumsy? <laughs> anyway, moving on, all right? These are Moses' cousins. And then verse 22, you have the sons of Uziel, all right, and Uziel, and then they list them. So you have all, basically he's listing the lineage of the four sons of Kohath. Okay, does that make sense? Now in verse 23, let's keep going here. Aaron married, now Aaron is in the lineage, right? He's a Levite. Aaron then ends up marrying Elisheba, okay? Daughter of Amenadab, sister of Nashon. She born Nadab and Abu, Abu, Abahu. Did you say he in Aladdin? Ah, yes, this is totally Disney character, straight out of Aladdin and Lion King. So anyway, here's what you have. Why, why do I want to mention, okay, Aaron married Elisheba, and she is the daughter of Amnadab. Amnadab is a, okay, you get my point, right? It's a well-known family in a tribe of Judah. Okay, so now the lineage that we have, these are called Levites. Levites, right? They are priests that are going to be functioning in this, this lineage. But now in this, Aaron, one of the sons of Amram and Jochebed, marries Elisheba, who's in the lineage, she's in the lineage of the tribe of Judah. Does that make sense? So, Kevin, can you go to uh, the text Numbers 1-7? Numbers 1-7 just kind of keeps putting all of this together. Numbers 1-7 just says this. Nashon, son of Amminadab from Judah. Kevin, go to verse 2. Uh, numbers 1, verse... Uh, no, don't do that. I'm sorry. 
Numbers 2, verse 3. Numbers 2, verse 3, if you would, please. Uh, again, you already know now, it's in the tribe of Judah. Judah's military, just, the leader of the descendants of Judah is Nashon, son of Abinadab. So over and over, you're going to see Abinadab tied with Judah. So Kevin, now can we go back, if you would, to verse 23. And so I just want to just say this. I'm going to write, attempt to write this name down. Amnadab, okay, is in the line of Judah. So here you have Levites and Judah, right, coming together. Now we know that Judah eventually leads to David, correct? And then we eventually know that in the line of Judah it leads to the Messiah. So it was important to list the daughter of this family member and how it all comes together. Can you imagine Aaron's family, just Aaron's family, the speaker now on behalf of Moses, the lineage of the Levites and Judah. That's an incredible, powerful image of what his family is going to look like. I just, I think it's a cool image. There's a lot there, but Kevin, if you would go to verse 24, then it says the sons of Korah. Now we know that the sons of Korah, okay, uh, again, constantly talking about this this imagery here. The sons of Korah are Aser, Elkanah, and Abiasaph. Do you guys remember who Korah is? You guys remember who Korah is? If you go all the way back to, uh, let me go here for real quick. This is actually kind of a cool picture, and I just didn't want to overlook this one. Do you see in verse 21, the sons of Isar? The sons of Isar are Korah, Nepheg, and Zikri. Remember the cousins? Nepheg means clumsy. Right? Okay, Korah now. Now we're going to talk about the sons of Korah. Now, we guys, you guys remember that Korah was, they led a rebellion against Moses. In number 16, we're going to get to that. Korah led a rebellion against Moses. And then what happened? That the, that whole group was literally wiped out. Do you remember this? That these The Korah crew was wiped out, but the sons would survive the judgment. I want to go there for a second. This is cool. Numbers 20, uh, 26, verse 11. Okay, so you have Korah, one of the cousins, okay, bad, turned away from the Lord, rebelled against Moses. But the sons of Korah in that did not die. So all the family died, but not the sons of Korah. The reason I'm saying this is for one reason. Some of you have a lineage that's not good. Some of you have family members or grandparents that never knew the Lord, actually denounced the Lord, denounced the, the, the Messiah. You denounce everything about Jesus. Your lifestyle reflected the world, the flesh. You might even worship Satan. I'm just saying, but it's cool because the sons of Korah, if you are a son, your identity is not in your family. Your identity is not in your parents. It's who you are in the Lord. I know that that's drastic, but I'm just telling you, the sons of Korah to me give us hope. Korah went against Moses. And yet the sons of Korah, you guys, they wrote a family. Kevin, go to Psalm 84. Do you guys realize that three Psalms, Psalm 84, 85, and 87, were written by the sons of Korah? And so now all of a sudden they're writing, uh, they're a famous musical family. I don't know how to describe this, is that the sons of Korah survived everything that their father did wrong. I just want to just point that out. It's like you're reading through genealogy and you're kind of like, wait, I, I could have missed that. And I just want to give you hope. Some of you, your family doesn't want to set you free, but you know who you are in the Lord. And the sons of Korah are a great example in this genealogy. In verse 25, Aaron's son, I'm in Exodus 6, Aaron's son, Eleazar. So we know now that Aaron ends up having a son. He marries the daughter of Abinadab, just so we're on the same page. But then that Aaron and the daughter, they have a son, and his name is Eleazar. 
Eleazar married one of the daughters of Putiel, and she bore him Phineas. The only thing I'll say is that I think this is interesting. Putiel, you guys, just so you know, it means Ethiopian or black man. Okay, so there's just a lot of imagery of, uh, of how things begin to happen. And these two then bore a son, Phineas. Phineas was a hero in Numbers 25, who he killed Zimri and a Median, uh, Midianite woman, woman who had sex in a tabernacle. Phineas came in and cleaned house. These are what we would consider the heroes and the heads of the Levite family. There's a lot here. Uh, but I just feel like in Exodus 6, Moses wrote it for a reason. So I don't want to miss the named people that we don't know anything about. And yet at the same time, to go back to Exodus 6, 4, 6, and 7, and 8, we have an outline of all of the, the covenant, all of the, the outline of the Pentateuch. And so it's an incredible picture. And I just want to close with this, uh, is that if you go to verse 26 and 27, it was this Aaron and Moses whom the Lord told, bring the Israelites out of the land of Egypt according to their divisions. In verse 27, Moses and Aaron were the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, in order to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. So you're just doing a quick summary of, by the way, Moses and Aaron, you're the guys. It's going to come through the Levitical lineage. And Wearsby, Warren Wearsby, our buddy back here, the commentator, he always just said, God's calling always means God's enabling. It's true. And so even though Moses was frustrated, he didn't think it'd happen, God said, no, it's going to happen. And oh, by the way, I've established a genealogy, and I'm going to prove to you that's going to happen. And what I love is, and this is where I'm going to make you think. In Genesis 15, verse 16, Genesis 15, verse 16, it talks about a prophecy that I believe we just read from in the genealogy. It says, in the fourth generation, they will return here. For the iniquity of the Amorites has not reached its yet, not yet reached its full measure. In other words, the sin hasn't happened. There, there's more sin that needs to take place, right? With the Amorites, more wickedness, more iniquity needs to take place. But how do we know when that's going to hit? It's when the fourth generation is returning. Now, we talked about this in the break because this is kind of an interesting conversation. It's the fourth generation that's been in bondage, right? Think about this. Fourth generation that's been in slavery. So now, if you go to Exodus 6 and this lineage that we're talking about, I believe we're going to see fulfillment of the prophecy. Now watch, in Exodus 6, verse 16, this is the first generation. The first generation is going to be the sons of Levi, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. That's the first generation. Why? Because we talked about this. The 12 sons of the, of the tribes of Jacob, right? They're not in bondage. Is that correct? These are not the guys that are in bondage. It's going to be the sons that are going to be in bondage. That's the first generation in verse 16. In verse 18, then you're going to get into now, you're going to get into Moses' father, which is Amram. He's going to be the second generation, okay? So you have the one father. It's going to lead to the another father. Then it's going to go to verse 20, okay? Then you have uh, Moses and Aaron. That's the third generation. And then the fourth generation that we believe is going to walk out into this fulfillment is in verse 23, Aaron's sons, Eleazar, okay? Uh, Ithamar, those names, Nadab and Abahu. And so you have four generations, okay? Abahu, <laughs> Four generations that are going to come back according to Genesis 15, 16. Hamilton, one of the commentators, kind of spelled that out for me. It really has made me think. Um, it's a tough one to figure out. But I do believe that Genesis 15 talks about the fourth generation. And this makes sense, but you really have to spell things out. And so anyway, I'd encourage you guys to dig into that a little bit more. There's a lot there, a, a lot there. But I believe that everything points to the deliverer. You believe that the lineage of the Levites points to the Messiah. 
one little name, the daughter of Abnadab, <laughs> who marries Aaron, is in the lineage of, of Christ. So this is what you have, Exodus 6. I don't know, I just feel like there is a lot more there, but I'm not going to go there today. Just keep digging in, you guys. Just keep digging in. I'm really proud of you guys. If you have questions, keep writing it on the Revive Schools uh, website on, on your interactions, because I know people are interacting. Keep, keep digging into the reading guides. You don't have to get through everything, but just use this as a frame of reference to keep pointing you uh, to, to more meat, to more substance. I know we could always go deeper. I know that we could hammer out a whole lot more, but when you're going through the Bible in two years, <laughs> it's a lot. So I just want to say thanks for plowing through the Word of God, and I will see you.